WDBM East Lansing. 89 FM. The Impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. Welcome to Exposure. I am your host, Abby Newton. Thank you for joining us tonight. Now this evening, we have an exposure special. The topic, gender. Webster's Dictionary defines gender as the state of being male or female. Today on the show, we will explore how that definition has evolved and what the state of being male or female looks like today. We will discuss gender as it is associated with expression, identity, power, religion, and science. We talk to psychology professor Nicole Buchanan, communications professor Kelly Morrison, and Kelly's son, Kyle. Now, Kyle goes to the University of Chicago and just finished taking a class about the economics of gender. The class was entitled Economies of Gender, mm-hmm. so it was a lot about um, dynamics. He was doing heavy-duty reading, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough stuff, but it was, it was a good time. Okay. I learned a lot. Um, learned anthropology reading and... Yeah, lots of dynamic. It was a lot about the dynamics in um, developing countries. Developing, I say in quotations, but um, developing countries, uh, gender dynamics, and the interplay of like capitalism and wow. whatnot, bringing new economic structures to these like countries that aren't very developed. Again, in quotations. Okay. Well, it was a blast though because he would email me he's like this is what we're reading and you'd either tell me the reading or send it to me and then we go back and forth about different yeah. aspects of the article it's good stuff and he grew up in a household with two professors who are experts about gender and communication but first let's define that word gender it's really hard to pin down any sort of term like mm-hmm. gender or anything because whenever you try and put down like a universal like this is gender you'll have like an extraneous case that'll come up later that'll force you to redefine that. And I think like gender as a thing and like any universals about humanity, like the only thing you can ever really say is that like humans will redefine these terms. They will terms. continually redefine. So gender right? as a term and is like continually evolving. Like, of, yeah. yeah, I mean like what it would mean nowadays would be completely different from what it would mean 20, 30 years ago, sure. I would think. I mean, well, I haven't been around that also, long, but... It very like, much depends on who you're talking to, yeah, right? Because exactly. that's one of the first things we do in class is talk about the difference between sex and gender, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sex exactly. is still to this day, um, again, I haven't been in a labor and delivery room recently, <laughs> but, you know, collecting data, you'll say, what? how were you defined on your birth certificate, mm-hmm. right? Which is typically still binary, male, male female, uh, but gender is different. It's I see it as more fluid. Uh, depending on who you talk to, they'll talk about it in terms of being socially constructed. So it's something that you create, you learn, mm-hmm. that it varies by context. It changes over time. It changes by culture. Uh, so it's really your sense of masculinity, your sense of femininity, and, and then the range within that Mm -hmm. so you can be by sex male as a category but very feminine or very masculine Mm -hmm. right so people will say and this is where there's there's a a 
gap between how researchers or, or scholars will talk about it and how people talk about it, because they'll talk about gender differences, right? But what they're really talking about is differences between men and women. Mm -hmm. So like with measurement, you know, with research, they'll say gender differences, but they haven't measured gender. They had someone check a box and say, are you male or female? Mm -hmm. Which right? is sex. Yeah, right, men or women. So they're really looking at sex differences. But gender is, um, some people talk about it in terms of being played out. Mm -hmm. but, but there is a, you know, as soon as you say social construction, you know, and this is one of the things that I talk about in my class, that means you have to look at it how it is socially created. Right. That was Kyle and Kelly. Psychology professor Nicole Buchanan sheds light on the difference between sex and gender. Well, that's a great question. I actually was just looking at a handout. I wish I still had it with me <laughs> and talking about the differences between gender and sex and how all these things connect. Mm -hmm. But traditionally, when we think about sex, we think of something that is a biologically based phenomenon. It's based on your DNA and your genetics, whereas gender is more of the socially constructed notion of what we think of when we think of what is something that's more feminine or more masculine. And of course, it can be different across cultures. It, I would imagine a lot of people in the U.S. would think that, like, there are two, like, gender would be a binary set. Mm -hmm. Like, that's becoming more and more different as, like, these definitions evolve. But um, we read a paper, or it was mentioned, I think, in my anthro class that there are some places where there's, like, there are th multiple genders, like, three. And, like, there's a sort of a, there's a male, like, archetype, a female archetype, and then sort of an in-between. And right. there's a whole group of people who, like, identify as this third gender. So that would be right. an example of, like, a or different set of social constructs. Age, like, in different right. countries. Mm -hmm. For example... Kelly's husband. Um, if you know him, he carries a man bag. It, it looks like a Pony Express satchel. I mean, it really—it's a nice leather, right? Yeah. To, to, it know, is a male purse. It is a male purse. It's it is a merch leather. He man likes bag. to brag that it's lifetime warrantied and will outlast he, he, right, him and right. be passed down. Right, right. So he's like, when I die, you, you'll be able to have this one. And you could have this one. And I'm like, okay, you're gonna need a third bag because we have three sons, right? So, so it, I mean, it's, it's almost like a running joke within the family, but. In France, men carry mailbags, purses, satchels, murses, right? Different term for it. And, and that is perfectly fine for men. In the United States, right, Steve will be out. We'll be at Subway. When we were going <laughs> west over the summer. On our way across the, the country, we're driving west, right? So, Steve, we go into People the subway. And funny. he's got his, his black hoodie on that's... um. You know, karate, Okinawan karate, Okinawan karate Dojo. club, and he's got his man bag over it, and we're at Subway, and these these big brawny guys are looking at Steve, and they're just like, "What's, what is?" There's that? There's a bit of a disconnect right? between Why the karate. He, how and can the... he wear a karate hoodie and carry a purse? Mm -hmm. um, right. So so that gives you an idea of how again it, in France, totally different. Mm -hmm. United States. Very different here. So you have to, again, attend to the time, the place, um, in terms of understanding what masculine is. Now, when you talk about gender, you can't help but get into the words masculine and feminine. Masculine meaning having qualities more associated with men and, and feminine having qualities more associated with women. To even use the terms masculine or feminine, like, brings up a whole set of, like, social constructs of, and, like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like socially defined terms, like that are agreed upon in certain cultures. Mm -hmm. So, like when I say something is masculine, I can say that because I know 
other people who will similarly similarly define it as masculine, but like but my... that's dependent on the time and the exactly place that you're like, in. and the time so... the people I'm talking to. But maybe the lines and boundaries between men and women have shifted. The division between masculine and feminine has changed. But um, well, I think it the boundaries like and the, the like construction of the boundaries mm-hmm. between like a male category and a female category are becoming much more blurred mm-hmm. and i think the I general agree. public yeah. and the younger generations are a lot more okay with that than the older generations and like much more conservative people who you see a lot of backlash from mm-hmm. us with men who are described as uh, what is the word metrosexual who are very feminine and that upsets a lot of people but i don't i don't know i i think you should treat them more like masks that you can put on and like mm-hmm. you can be like more of a masculine character in a certain setting and more of a feminine character in a certain setting if you even but i think what you're saying is like would there be a time where we'd go beyond even those like binaries exactly. i think possibly but it i like i said i think it's a long way off mm-hmm. I, I think it's a long way off i think uh and this is where, again, I'll say sex differences instead of gender differences. Mm-hmm. Um, people are very comfortable with the idea that men are different from women. Because mm-hmm. it's right? biologically so rooted. Biologically rooted or culturally rooted. Um, even if you go men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm-hmm. What is the whole goal, or maybe not goal, but one of the outcomes of that book is the idea that men are completely different from women. Mm-hmm. Right? You're so different, you must have come from other planets. <laughs> Therefore, you cannot understand each other. And people like this book. They buy this book. Mm-hmm. It continues to sell amazingly, right? I'm, you know, befuddled by that. Um, but I think the more that you teach differences, the more people will be comfortable with that idea. And the problem with teaching differences is that you overlook the similarities, mm-hmm. right? And especially in your role with studying gender and communication, how significant are those differences in the communication realm, and how is that evolving? Well, (laughs) (laughs) might be a loaded question. (laughs) It depends who you talk to, Um, right? Uh, I remember getting into a rather heated argument with my one of my brothers about this, Um, because again, because people are very comfortable with the idea that men are very, very different from women. So when I I walk them through, well, here's what the communication research suggests. Mm -hmm. You're not that different, right? Sex accounts for 1% of explaining your communication behavior. I mean, that's that's one of my favorite things to take them through by by the end of the class. So, you know, we draw a circle, right? Here, the whole circle is yellow, and here's this little teeny green sliver representing 1%. That's what I can explain every communication behavior by knowing your sex, which means that everything else is accounted for by something else, or more realistically, multiple things. You want to look at how you communicate? Look at how your family communicated. This is one of the things I say. Or look at the topic you're talking about. Conflict style? Your your family is probably a better predictor of your conflict style than simply knowing you're a man and you're a woman, mm-hmm. right? I approach conflict very much like my mother does. Steve mm-hmm. approaches conflict, my husband, very much like his mother does. <laughs> so you kind of are, you know, taught this model of communication and, and what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. Your very first, you know, laboratory is your family, Mm. From the very first, you, you know, and with technology, now they know the sex of the baby before they bring the baby home, which, again, years ago, that was not an option, right? They, you had names, but you had both names because you didn't know what's coming out. <laughs> who, who do we have? Oh, welcome to the world. Um, and now people people know. So, so 
a lot of the you know gender scholars talk about gender is done before the the child has even entered the world because mm-hmm. you've got your nursery painted you've got your names picked out the imita- the child announcement is already printed all you've got to do is fill in the date and the size and bring time, a baby to the world right? but but the name is there and it's already color coded pink or blue mm-hmm. or if you're going gender neutral you know purple whatever nicole echoes this idea she pointed out how significant gender is as soon as we enter this world so one of the things that i think is incredibly interesting about gender is that it absolutely governs every aspect of our lives from even prior to birth so if you look at what happens when someone has a baby almost universally the very first question is is it a boy or girl Hmm. we ask about gender before we verify that the mom and the baby are safe and healthy, hmm. you know, before we ask about a name, before we ask weight, size, any other information, our first question, boy or girl. And from that moment, boy or girl, that the answer to that question starts to govern every single thing, it, from the clothing children wear, from the names we think parents should choose, the kinds of extracurriculars, so we have, you know, the mommy and me toddler time. Is that going to be a dance class, or is that going to be some other kind of activity for boys? I mean, it begins to govern things from the very second we find out what a child's gender is. And the fact that that is more important a question to us than even verifying that the mother and the baby are okay and healthy is really quite powerful to me. <laughs> we also have new research that says that the way think about our babies even changes in utero based on whether or not we we know or suspect the gender so if you tell someone that they're having a boy they'll start to talk about getting kicked and oh this baby's so aggressive he's he's always kicking and fighting and he's pushing and all these things and you tell them they're having a girl they oh wow look she's so active she's doing tumbling and somersaults in there so that we even begin to construct our thoughts about a child that hasn't been born yet hmm. differently based on whether or not we suspect it's a boy or a girl. And so all of these people that try to argue that gender doesn't matter, I, I have to remind them it defines everything. It even defines the way we interpret a baby before they're born. It defines what we think about when we hear a baby is born. It's our most important first question. And it goes on to define the rest of our lives. And this gender identification at birth continues through adulthood, like in the workplace. Gender and power, we've often seen that biological sex is associated with physical strength and that men typically have greater physical strength and that confers power. And that's the way we've seen these things over a millennia. However, as we've become more civilized societies, we no longer need to base power solely on brute force. And that's given much more variability in how we think about power and how gender can come into power. But unfortunately, those old standards have continued to the present, and we will often see that power still gets conferred to men for a variety of reasons, a lot of which are really outdated. Mm-hmm. But Typically, the the idea that one person can physically dominate another has resulted in differential power among the among men and women, and that's held throughout the as, as far as we can look at human history, with with a few notable exceptions. So often, what happens? 
is because of this brute strength and the way that has conferred power throughout the millennia, you now see systematic differences between, between men and women and the way we socialize boys and we socialize girls to understand who should get differential preferences, who should be listened to more often, who should make more money, who should be seen as the head of the household, mm-hmm. and all of these factors converge in giving men far more power than women. Nicole does say that we have made strides in improving gender equity in America. We see more women climbing the corporate ladder than ever before. And this whole idea of women having more power and more rights used to be associated with the word feminism. Kelly adds to this. Um, You you talked about feminism as an example of that. And just the term Mm -hmm. feminism um, is transitioning. In the 70s, powerful thing. But then you could be teased as being, oh, you're one of those women's libbers. (laughs) women's libbers yeah i want women's liberation i mean that's that's what that was the term right and and now you know in my class i say okay let's let's do it this way how many think that for equal work you should be paid equally you should have equal opportunity for education for jobs Mm -hmm. and you know we go through all these lists like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah how many of you describe yourself as a feminist no you know, very few. I'm like, well, that's interesting because most of what you agreed to is exactly what feminism is about. Mm-hmm. So, but, but that's, again, where some people will not identify with that term or with the label, I am a feminist, because of how other people see it mm-hmm. or treat it. And again, if you look historically over time, you know, when the, when the term entered, you know, the lexicon and ter- terminology and then, you know, kind of the splitting of the power... Think about the connotations that some people have for feminist or feminism. I mean, you can even, I mean, if you take one side of the coin with, um, was it Rush Limbaugh, who, who, you know, I don't know if he coined the phrase, but is not, you know, it's not unusual for him to say feminazi. Mm-hmm. I find that term just completely repellent. You know, I, I kind of <laughs> cringe internally when I hear it. I mean, it's a visceral reaction for me. So as soon as you think that term means feminist, are you going to want to identify with that? So, so that's what, you know, oh, you know, they must hate men. You know, so whatever association, I'm not saying any of these are right or wrong, but stereotypically, you know, so it's hard to say, well, this is the, this is the social norm for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Or this is a social code for everybody because there isn't an everybody. Mm-hmm. The and there's United no norm States. either. I mean, there will never well, like what would you define as normal? Because it, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't even give so you a exactly because it's so it's so subjective and varies across like states, like time right. periods, cultures, countries. Right. I mean, whatever, and, you, and you've whatever. seen that just in terms of like you know the clothing you wear. What, yeah. what's, what's I mean, normal at MSU would be compared to what we wear. Yeah. You know, in normal at MSU would be completely yeah. different from like normal South Side Chicago versus North Side Chicago versus right. like right. any side. <laughs> like, right. which again gets back to the <clears throat> idea of social construction. Mm-hmm. So you've got to put it in a place. You've got to put it in a context. You've got to look at the people that are present and interacting, creating the meaning. That's what gender is. It's just another one of these social interactions, like culturally dependent and time dependent. Right now, our reporter Meg wanted to know a little more about feminism specifically feminism across race. She starts with talking about Beyonce. When Beyonce's surprise album dropped, everyone was confused. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. sexes. You wake up, post up, round round in it. Fans were frantic, critics raved, but there was one question that loomed on everybody's mind. 
is Beyonce a feminist or not? In her album, she outright challenges stigmas on female sexuality, empowers women and girls through aggressive lyrics, and even samples a TED Talk by revered feminist Chimamanda Adichie. But for some reason, her motives are still called into question. White women come to earn the title feminist much easier than women of color in today's media. As a black woman, Beyonce has been criticized much more than her white counterparts. This is not a new thing. Starting with Sojourner Truth's Ain't I a Woman speech in 1851, women of color have been fighting for a space of recognition within the mainstream feminist movement. Tara Warren, a discussion leader from the MSC Women's Council, says she certainly sees an issue when it comes to intersections. And to be both a black woman, you're, you're either black and you side with the black community and you work on black issues and you advance your race, or you're a woman who advances your gender and you work on that issue. But like... Society sometimes just refuses to see the intersection that you are both of those things together. The Women's Council creates an area where people can discuss various forms of discrimination and other difficult topics. All types of students from all walks of life can share their experiences and most importantly, find a place for support. MSU Women's Council has been um, inclusive as possible and tried to come up with issues that are relevant for women. That was J.B. Wilson. She is also a discussion leader for the Women's Council. She says that although the council strives to incorporate all people, they sometimes still face challenges. I think the problem comes when people start claiming any kind of separation or criticism is disunity and thus playing in the hands instead of listening to what the criticism is. In addition to fighting for a space, women of color have also worked to separate themselves from the more referenced and popular white feminism. Movements such as black feminism or womanism and sex positive feminism all exist as a way to address issues that are often forgotten. It has also bred thousands of authors, artists, and other creators that work to call out this hypocrisy. Mia McKenzie, curator and contributor to the famous blog Black Girl Dangerous, uses this medium to give a voice to those who may otherwise feel ignored. Black Girl Dangerous is right a, back. I call it a multifaceted forum for the literary and artistic expression of queer and trans people of color. The blog is full of sensitive material and may offend some. It's full of explicit, unstructured rants from various pissed off people. Things happen and they happen again and again and again. And you think at some point you're going to get this right, but they don't get it. Um, no, mainstream white feminism is notoriously bad at getting it. I'm notoriously bad at considering the experiences of people of color. This, the idea that feminism only serves one group of people, is a problem. Instead of ignoring it, Women's Council eboard member Sarah Fenton suggests that we face it head on. I would say it is really on a day, like on the ground in your day-to-day -day life, feel uncomfortable at least a couple times a day. You know, put yourself in a position where you normally wouldn't want to be, and and feel that and really feel it. You know, lean into it and experience what that's like, because every time you do that, it will get a little bit less uncomfortable. For Impact News, I'm Mega Bubba. Kelly brings up an interesting point about being feminine and masculine. She talked about playing it, kind of like in a poker game. I can play my gender very differently, right? And, and I joke about mm -hmm. this with my husband and with my kids. You know, when I'm going down to my hometown to see my mom, mm -hmm. right, I'll put lipstick on. Right? <laughs> I'll put makeup on. You know, I'll make myself look the part for, for that town because, it, again, it's a different place. The dress code's a little bit different. And, and <laughs> my 
my poor mother. I love her. Um, you know, I'll be leaving the house at like 6.45 to go get coffee at Starbucks or whatever. And I'm not kidding. I will, I will be in my pajamas. I will have my glasses on. I will not have combed my hair. I don't care. I will walk out into public drive, go get the Starbucks. And mom's like, don't you want to comb your hair? I'm like, I'm not going to run into anybody. Who cares? Of course, you run into someone from nursery school, which is exactly what happened to me. And they're like, Kelly, is that you? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right? Because I haven't done the makeup hair thing that women in this town are supposed to do. Mm. Right? But at home with, with my kids, what? I'm in pajamas. I'm in sweats. I'm doing the tomboy thing. <laughs> Does that mean I'm not a woman? Does that mean I'm less feminine? Do I care? <laughs> Those are the questions to ask. And that's interesting to shed light on that because I think many, you know, we do that. We just don't think of it in that way in terms of we're expressing more of our gender. We're not expressing, you know, that's right. really, I like that a lot. But so is part of being feminine being pretty. Mm-hmm. Right? It's part of being I mean, masculine, being like muscled and <laughs> strong, puffing and out your chest, successful. And, you know. Right. I mean, so and that, that's really how we start day one of the class. I said, "What you know? What does it mean to you to be masculine mm-hmm. at this time mm-hmm. in this place?" What response do you get to that? Oh, typically, I mean, what what you would expect? Um, strong, strong, powerful, deep um, voice. Don't yes. show emotions. <laughs> right. Um, successful at the career breadwinner. Breadwinner. You're seeing a little bit less because again, traditionally. I mean, if you go way, way back, you know, who was supposed to earn the money? It was the man. He was supposed to earn the money, earn more of the money mm-hmm. if the woman was working or be the sole breadwinner. And where was the woman's role? CEO of the household, mm. right? Take care of the house, take care of the kids. But that obviously has morphed over time and is continuing to morph mm-hmm. um, as with the academic downturn, you know, um, statistically most people are going to be, you know, if you have a partner, whatever partner, dual career, you're both mm-hmm. working, and then whether or not family is in there. Um, but so that affects how you play your masculinity and femininity. But consistently, the last several years, it's it's strong, um, competitive, um, and really the not revealing emotions, mm. not crying, not appearing weak. Let's talk more about how femininity and masculinity is defined. With guys and with masculinity, at least in this culture, it's it's fairly rigidly socialized. Mm. I say that a lot in my class. There's a narrow bandwidth. You know, you're supposed to be this, you're not supposed to be that, right? And, and you will get teased about it as a guy. With women, it's a little more flexible, right? And probably the best example of that is when I ask them what's a tomboy. I was like, oh, well, I'm a tomboy. <laughs> Just still am, right? But but it's an athletic girl. I mean, that's typically the description I ask. And, and so I say, so what's a tom girl? We don't have a phrase for that, right? right? So, 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 you know, it's okay for girls to, to be that, right? But I can also be, I mean, if you think classically, you know, pretty, thin, whatever women are supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? But I can also be smart. I can also have a career. I can earn money. It's okay for me to earn more money than, you know, if I have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can do this masculine thing with guys, allowing them to do that feminine thing. We're less comfortable with that. Mm. Our very own reporter, Eric Finkler, went into the field and asked about the word masculine. Modern masculinity, um, I guess working out a lot and um, being tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, modern masculinity, I don't know. 
I'd say it has a lot to do with um, muscular build. I'd say that plays a huge part of it. If you ever seen the manly men in movies, it's always you know these built guys. If you see you know like a built guy out there, I think people automatically assume you know he's like a really masculine guy. It kind of is defined that way currently. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess masculinity is something that is kind of hard to define in modern society because, I mean, even as long ago as 20 years ago, it was a little bit more defined because we had this idea based on male stereotypes of this manly man, strong, independent, working, sports beer, that's, uh, that sort of thing. And now with a lot of changes in how people view gender identities and the, the place of the, of the male and the female in modern society, that, def, that definition based on stereotypes isn't as relevant. And it's kind of hard to say what is the relevant view of what masculinity is other than just some past stereotypes that have kind of been uh, for a large portion to a large degree, discarded. Uh, it's also not seen as, as necessary or as a positive thing necessarily as it was years ago. So it's really kind of hard to pinpoint what masculinity is, I'd say, in a modern society. And as we are playing and expressing different parts of our gender, I was curious how others respond. So I asked Nicole. She brought up gender bullying. And with this bullying, there are various terminologies associated with it. You have the words slut, whore, player, jerk, and the list goes on. One of our reporters, Sarah, went to the streets and asked what students thought about one of these words in particular. So what uh, do you think when you hear the word slut? 
I think frat boys talking about girls they had sex with within the last week. Um, immediately is an image of a girl who, I guess based on my preconceived notions, there's a certain image. Um, I can try to describe it maybe. like Probably wearing clothing that's very revealing. Not much clothing. Very like sort of wild sort of like I don't know alcohol is probably involved that's usually like the image associated with that um it's difficult to have fun as a girl because it's always dangerous you know whether you're at the party you're at a frat or you're walking around at night I mean at the very least you're going to be subject to harassment like every single time girls go out at least in in my case a lot of times I'm dealing with just guys being jerks to me especially when it's people are drinking and that kind of stuff <clears throat> um, even the other day I was walking uh, back from QD and there was a group of guys in a car and I was by myself and it was daylight, it was like 5 o'clock and I was walking back from QD and they started, you know, they were waving to me so I like waved back and smiled and then they started hollering like really inappropriate things at me and then they started following me in their car and they like tailed me and I had to like get out my phone and they were just screaming at me and harassing me and I was actually kind of freaked out and I thought I was going to have to call the cops, to be honest. Like, they were following me back to my dorm. So, I don't know. It is, like, a serious problem here, especially since it is such a big campus. People think they can get away with it. Let's continue talking about the terminologies associated with gender. Here's Kelly. How often do we talk about women gossiping? Do we ever say men gossip? Mm-mm. How often do you describe a girl or a woman as a hero? Think about that mm-hmm. one. That's actually one of my favorite, and, and it's an example that's stuck with me for years now. I, I still I still remember this like it was yesterday because it was my cousin, um, female cousin. She was probably about I don't know, eight, maybe. She's in her 30s now, so this is a long time ago, right? But, but I, I remember, you know, I mean, she, she was young enough, you know, and I mean, old enough that we could talk about things, obviously, and, and so I don't even remember how the topic came up, um, but we... I don't know, somebody must have been a hero recently in the mm-hmm. culture, right? So that's how the term came up. And she looked at me, she's like, well, girls can't be heroes. And I said, what? She's like, girls aren't heroes. Oh. And I, I looked at her, I said, well, what do you mean girls aren't heroes? No, they can't do that. They can't be that. Wow. That's the power of language, right? If you don't have a role model of a woman or a girl as a hero, you don't associate the two together. Hmm. Wow. Words are powerful. Well, I think, I mean, I... Would agree entirely mm-hmm. with that example uh, to the power of language and not having associations for words to like m- play words. Well, and in it makes you ways. powerless, right? When you right. don't. No, when you don't have a word for something, I mean, how are how you to you express it? it? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, even a word, like we were talking about with culture and everything, like the way, like I would conceive of the word like male or female is going to be completely different from like maybe what you would see it as or mm-hmm. what like someone off the street would see it as, mm-hmm. and like. The power of language is to, at one point, to, like, have this malleability mm-hmm. of the terms, but also to be able to, like, have unity between our definitions so that we can communicate about these things. Mm-hmm. And when there isn't, Common like, understanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and what that's communication, like communication is. Yeah. Common, right. But, like we said, if we don't have, like, if I say something and it doesn't have, like, the example for you, like, if you, like, if if you were saying hero to your cousin and like she doesn't have the example of like a woman hero like when she, she thinks of hero she, she can't, can't see it, it. Just like and until a, she gets an example the word hero is going to be gendered masculine in that way mm. right but but you know you have to have the word but then you have to 
hear it or see it used mm -hmm. around you. Right. So even if you go back to, you know, my first job out of college um, in sales, which, again, I also talk about this in my class, um, you're in a masculine industry, blue-collar masculine industry. I'm one of the few females in there. Um, I'm getting sexually harassed. I don't have the term for it. Right, I've got I've got male customers who they are my customer, right? They're honey, cookie, sweetie, cupcake, you know, and, and I mean just the terminology. So mm -hmm. so every week when you go in and you know you got to meet this person and you're already uncomfortable before you walk in, mm -hmm. but you don't have the term to describe your discomfort. Mm -hmm. So again, it gets back to you know so so the term has to be there but then you have to know oh there's a policy on this right. and here's how right. here's how we handle this and, and but but again so so the word is just a start point and it's amazing for the how, knowledge how that's contributed to that evolution of how we define gender that's truly wow and as we continue to define such words we become more comfortable talking about them one of these words is bossy there's actually a campaign titled band bossy it's hilarious <laughs> i have to tell you i have to tell cuz i had Without you should it. explain this for my sake and the Have like, you heard of the campaign I yet? think I know what okay. it is, but if you could elaborate, like... Sure. Um, you go ahead okay. and I'm going to give you my example. Okay, yeah. So Band Bossy, um, basically it's the idea of, you know, don't perceive women who are leaders as bossy. So right. it's the idea of letting women take these leadership roles without being perceived as just a stunt. Different B word. Mm -hmm. Right, but, but it's a, you know, it's not a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? So like when men talk to other men, they're talking, but when women do it, it's gossiping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So he can be a boss but if she's bossy bossy exactly yeah. that's yeah. one of the best yeah. <laughs> so when i first started reading about this campaign i immediately flashed back to a was it this year did i have my high school reunion this year I'm i think it was yeah it was. it was no it was, it was i mean it was, <laughs> it was the previous it was, it was 2013 no yeah the fall of, yeah. of 13 um and i was at i was at the reunion and it wasn't just high school reunion because so some of these kids I had known since first grade, second grade, third grade. So we were trying to get a picture of just the group of us together from our elementary school. Right. So I'm like, oh, come over, you know, and I'm trying to arrange it. And one of my ex-boyfriends, <laughs> no less, says, Kelly, you're not being bossy, are you? And I looked at him. I said, yes, yes, I am. Right. But this was prior to the being bossy campaign even oh coming out. So then the campaign comes out. I'm like, hmm, that would be me. <laughs> me and my ex. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting kind of seeing how different, again, a word, you know, it, it's just. The power of a word. And I and it's funny because I remember when he said that and being kind of, you know, slightly hurt, mm -hmm. you know, taken aback, slightly hurt by it. And I'm an old, grown woman, right? But then just affirming it, he said, eh, you betcha I am, right? And move and go take the picture now. <laughs> I didn't say that to him. <laughs> Thought it in my head. So I think the underlying concept that they're, they're trying to bring to light is an important one. I don't know that if we took it at the strictest level of just saying you can't say girls are bossy anymore, I don't know that that's going to be particularly effective. But they're talking about a really important, critical issue that needs greater and wider discussion. And this idea that when girls behave in a way or when women behave in a way that's assertive, that's reflecting self-care, we tend to label that as problematic behavior. But when men engage in those exact same behaviors, they're heralded, they're, they're deemed as assertive, not bossy. We respect and value men that won't tolerate being mistreated. 
it becomes so important is we then teach girls to silence themselves and to silence themselves very early in life. That if you stand up for yourself, if you're assertive, if you tell people what you need and want in life, then you're going to be spoken to or talked about or treated in a way that teaches you to be quiet, to make yourself small, to shut up, to not express yourself. And we know that down the road, that's associated with a whole host of problems. <laughs> hey, yeah. You don't have to love me. You don't even have to like me. But you will respect me. You know why? You know, we've talked a lot about gender expression. These days, people are finding various ways to express their gender. It could be through social media, news articles, blog posts, conversation. But a new way is through zines. Gabrielle Saldivia once again reports. Abby Heath and Caroline Caswell like to make zines. You find out about zines and then you read one and then you're like, oh my gosh, like, I could do this. That was Caroline. She explains that a zine is a self-published magazine used to share ideas through photos and writings. I've created this exhibit called Print Party, celebrating queer feminisms through zines. Basically, it's an exhibition to highlight zinesters who are non-cisgender males. Cisgender means that the gender identity assigned to a person at birth is the gender that that person identifies with. Caroline and Abby's exhibit, held at the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in Lansing, aimed to show off the work of people who do not fit in this definition. Usually in exhibitions or just in general in society, those voices are cast to the side. But the exhibit wasn't all serious. My name is Spencer Perrineau. I'm reading Left Hand Lenore, Volume 1. Uh, it looks like a series of journal entries about Lenore uh, learning to write with her left hand, and it's pretty hilarious. Moments of reflection came when zinesters read their work aloud. I'm most relieved that my roommate wasn't home. It fit snugly and flattened up my chest, though maybe not so much as I had hoped or expected. It Abby says the zine community is already pretty inclusive, but there is still work that can be done. We definitely wanted to create um, an environment that um, was an even safer space for people who um, don't identify as cisgender males, essentially. Caroline and Abby look forward to curating more events like this one and spreading the word that anyone can make a zine. Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. Gonna let it all hang out. Won't 
start talking about gender, it can lead us to various discussion topics, relationships, sex, and sometimes even STDs. But how does gender play a role when it comes to things like STDs? Reporter Gabriela Saldivia took a deeper look at how women specifically face this issue. Janelle Marie has a mission against STDs. I'm the founder and executive director of the STD Project, which is a website geared toward creating awareness, education, and ultimately acceptance for those who are living with an STD. Janelle contracted genital herpes at 16 years old. And I was so ashamed and mired with that for years. So the goal is to help people to not have to feel that way, and certainly if they feel that way initially, to not have to feel that way for long. One in four women is infected with genital herpes and nearly one in five men, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. MSU student Alyssa Richardson says she thinks the topic of STDs among her peers is taboo. I think a lot of people are ashamed to talk about them possibly having an STD, which causes a bigger issue because they can give that STD to someone else. Some STDs can also create more serious health issues, like cervical cancer. The Human Cancer Statistics reports at least half of sexually active people will have HPV at some point in their lives. But few women will get cervical cancer if precautions are taken. We know that the HPV virus is linked to cervical cancer. That was Dr. Elizabeth Thomas, who works for Alliance OBGYN and East Lansing. Welcome to Alliance. How can I help you? Their clinic offered a free service earlier in the year called Paparama to screen young, uninsured women for cervical cancer. We're trying to get young women vaccinated before they're exposed to the virus. Prevention is key, but understanding and acceptance is the next step. So as we conclude our discussion on gender, I really feel like we've just scratched the surface. The definition will continue to evolve. Roles may change and differences may someday not exist. 
Now again, Kelly teaches a class with her husband about gender and communication. I asked her what she hopes people take away from the class. Now, I think it paired well with what we hope you took away from our discussion today. Two things. Number one, they have a broader view. I mean, that, I think that's the goal of any any educational experience is that if you come in with a narrow set of you know blinders on that they have been removed or at least broadened so you see things differently I happen to know that this is already happening you know for some of some of my kids in the class because they've told me oh, have you seen this ad I, I saw this ad I had to send it to you right so so I get the email I get emails from from kids who are in a different country and see things and send it to me and they're like I thought of your class right five years out thought of your class so, so that's that's part of the goal um, but the other hope and and in the, and again this this place for both classes um, I think it's really important you know as we move through our lives break down the differences and to do that, you have to talk about the similarities, mm. right? You, you have to correct the, the mistaken beliefs um, that we are opposites, that we are battling, right? Because, like, in the 70s, it was the battle of the sexes, right? I mean, That's opposites, you, right? And, and when, you're, when you're taught that, you know, we're different, we're not the same, we're so, you know, we have nothing in common, how are you going to find any connection there, right? So, so, and that goes for any category, any category, yeah. right? Whether it's religion or whether it's age or whether race. it's country, mm-hmm. race. I mean, name it. Um, but certainly, certainly for the sexes. So, so hopefully they walk away. You know, we talk a lot about differences, but we talk a lot about similarities, mm-hmm. especially on that last day, you know, or, or last couple of days where we put up the, the pie chart. And there's, there's that very narrow piece of pie, you know, that knowing your sex is going to explain. And there's so much more going on. Um, Hopefully that's what they walk away with. Great. And here's Kyle. Yeah, just really expanding upon definitions, knowing that there is no, like, one way anything can be. And then, I mean, one of the things that originally turned me off to anthropology was that I thought it was all about, like, like isolating people and, like, no, everything is just really different. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you learn that. And, I mean, I am I tend to believe people are much more the same, like, as a whole than, like, really different. And well, I think you're human. Right. And I think, like, right, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the super category that like seeds over everything. And I think you can isolate like into all these like different like cultures and whatnot and time periods. But I think that just shows that like when you fragment everything out, like it shows that it doesn't really matter that much, mm-hmm. and that like the things that like unify everybody together are much more important. And with that, I say thank you for tuning in to our discussion about gender. Thank you to Kelly, Kyle, and Cole for their expertise on the subject. Also, thank you to our reporters, our producer, Gabriela Saldivia, our station manager, Sam Riddle, and our general manager, at Glazer. Today's show and all other episodes can be found on our website at www.impact89fm.org. Keeping you informed and bidding you farewell until next time, I am Abby Newton, and you have been listening to Exposure on WDBM Impact 88.9 FM.
Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.